Atop of the 12th floor of the Remax World Headquarters, you're listening to Start With a Win with CEO Adam Contos. And top of the 12th floor, Remax World Headquarters here. Start with a win with CEO Adam Contos. And we have a really cool, really cool episode today in the studio here with me. Podcast producer and everything else producer <laughs> in the right. world. Producer Mark, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I am doing so good. So good. We've been traveling yeah. a lot together. I know. It's been awesome. Chicago was a blast. It was. Yeah. We saw a thousand of our favorite people. That's right. We uh, did. A lot of fun. We launched a new technology platform. Oh, that is so exciting. A lot of, lot of cool stuff. But you know what? It was, uh, it was fascinating also because um, I kind of got to get into my alter ego up on stage. Yeah. You got to kind of put your head in a different space, become like, you know, Thor up there. there yeah. I need a big <laughs> hammer. I need to walk That's out with right. a big hammer on stage. So pretty cool stuff. But but yeah. this uh, this kind of takes us to our, our guest that we have today. I'm really big into kind of social psychology and how the, the human mind thinks and things like that. We are honored to have with us Todd Herman, author of The Alter Ego Effect. How are you doing, Todd? It is an absolute pleasure. Uh, my new friends, Adam. <laughs> it's great to see you, man. So we're on, I, I'm sitting here looking at Todd on video. This dude's like totally athletic, ripped guy. He's got all these like olympic things behind him on the wall so you know this guy is pure business let me tell you a little bit about todd first here though so uh todd's an entrepreneur business coach and mentor to olympic athletes and ceos with over 20 years of experience he's also the author of the book i mentioned the alter ego effect the power of secret identities to transform your life todd you're uh you're in canada now right i'm originally from canada i am oh, okay i'm in new york city and have i've been out here since for 13 years now i'm going to my 13th year Oh, nice. You still yeah. have a little bit of the Canadian in your voice, right? I, I can't lose it. Yeah. No matter, no matter, no matter <laughs> how it. many speaker trainers I go through, I'm going to keep that uh, little bit of Canadiana there. You got to do it. I mean, you know, people go, oh, you're nice, right? <laughs> yeah. That assumption, I will I will carry that with me as long as I can until they find out otherwise. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, Todd, you've been... Um, you spent like two decades helping professionals, Olympic athletes, entrepreneurs, leaders, executives, people unlock peak performance at the highest level to achieve these really kind of wildly outrageous goals and, and really kind of enjoy the process and, and at the same time. You've been on like the Today Show, uh, Sky Business News, Inc. Magazine, CBC National News, things like that. I mean, t- tell us about yourself. How, how did we get to this point here? Um, you know, where, you humble roots, where, where'd you come from here? Yeah, well, I grew up on a, a big farm and ranch in Western Canada outside of Calgary, Alberta. So just, just north of you guys in, uh, in Colorado. But uh, so yeah, I come from a, a farm family, pretty humble beginnings, I guess, in some ways, but I am a, a massive extrovert. And when you're kind of locked away on a 10,000 acre farm and ranch, you've got the jitters. And I wanted nothing but to end up living in, I remember actually the exact spot on our family's farm where I wanted to, where I was like, I'm gonna live in New York City someday. Ended up working out that way. Um, but I grew up in sports, Played sports at a pretty good level, got college football scholarships, was a nationally ranked badminton player. Um, learned my mental toughness from two older brothers who would beat me up and I had to try to you know, come back at them with some smart comments or whatever. <laughs> um, I used mental warfare um, with them. And, uh, but anyways, this was it, how I kind of fell into the world of like peak performance was very accidental. 
in some ways. I, I didn't plan on it and, you know, managed to enjoy a pretty long career in it. So how did how did you start coaching uh, Olympic athletes and CEOs? Or I mean, where, take us from where you began this this coaching endeavor. How did how did you get from there to where you're at now? I don't know about you, Adam, but I, I found that there's so many people with whatever level of success that they've achieved, but successful people are achievers. A lot of times it was like some sort of accidental thing that happened for them. And for me, uh, when I got done playing football, my older brother, Ryan, who I played with at, uh, in college, he said, okay, now our job is to go back and get other young kids excited about having a career like we've managed. We didn't go on and play pro, but we're, you know, we kind of, we come from a very service-based family. And so I went and started volunteering at a high school, teaching the defensive backs. And I spent more time with them, more time with them on like the mental game stuff, like preparation, just routine, just just some very foundational things. But you know, they were more concerned about, you know, I got to do more cone drills. It was like skill based stuff. I'm like, listen, you already put in that effort and that time. You're going to get diminishing returns. You've got to master this other stuff because the reason you're not performing out there is because you don't have some of these other things in place to help you approach it like a pro would. Whether you're playing pro or not, you can always approach something like a pro. And so word kind of spread because these kids are getting some really great results. Uh, around Edmonton, Alberta, where I was living at the time, and word spread, and then some young parents started asking me if uh, I could mentor their sons and daughters, and I was like, yeah, sure. And I wasn't—it wasn't a business. It was just—I was like, yeah, absolutely. I just love doing it. I had this other business that I had started, and and they were like, okay, well, how much? And I didn't know what to say, so I said seventy-five dollars for three sessions, and that was my price starting out. Was that? And they were in-home visit sessions as well. So I think when I calculated my my taxes or my income for that. For that year, I made $8.56 an hour um, <laughs> uh, based on travel time and everything else. But, you know, I, I loved what I was doing. Yeah, I wasn't making very much money, but I was working in sport, working with young people on a subject that I loved and had spent a lot of time. It wasn't like I was good at myself, but I would really researched it over my years. You know, just kept on leveling up and started getting around uh, better and better quality athletes. But to your earlier question around how did I actually get to them, the mechanism that most helped me was I did a lot of speaking. I got on as many stages as I could, did not get paid for any of them. Well, my second speech was in a hockey locker room with four young hockey players after they played a game and 13 of their teammates walked out because they didn't want to hear anything about the mental game. And I remember standing there with my crappy little flip chart from Office Depot and thinking to myself, I've made it. I've made it because, th because 13 people left and I'm still really excited to talk to the four that were there. So I knew that nothing could get thrown in my way that would stop me on, on my path kind of thing. It's interesting because there, I mean, there's a difference between telling and coaching. You started to tap into these, uh, these human needs of theirs and, and obviously identified that gap where the mind will quit before the body does. I've always believed in that. I've got some friends who've been in special operations and things like that. And they, they always tell me, you know, the average human being, they decide to stop before their body will actually do it. And we never realize our full potential. What got you to the point where you're starting to see that? Because you're getting some things out of people that are incredible, things that they never thought they could get out of themselves. Where, when did you start identifying that? Well, it was, uh, I started to identify that when I, I had enough clients that I had a data set to work with essentially where I was like okay so what's the what are the hallmarks or what's the, what are the qualities of these ones who are consistently performing at a high level and the ones who are getting in their own way despite the fact that they have the same level of skill and ability and any pro athlete if you've ever actually have a conversation with them you know I've 
you know, worked with hundreds and hundreds of them. A, one of the things I get most frustrated with is the word talent, because talent excuses away the 5 a.m. workouts, the four hours they spent out there by themselves when no one else was watching. So talent, that's why it's talent and potential. Those two words specifically are banned inside of my organization. You can't use them around us. And I'll, we can maybe get into potential later because that one always surprises people a little bit. Many athletes will tell you that have made it. They're like, listen, when I was playing in, when I was 13, 14, there was like five other kids on my team that were better than me. But they just kept on moving forward and, and they didn't get it our own way. But getting back to your question, what was the what was the thing that helped them is one of the hallmarks was many of them would start to say, or they would, they would sort of leave their sort of jeans and t-shirt wearing identity and self on the sidelines. And they started building out a specific performance-based identity or persona or alter ego, whatever, to go out there custom built to help them win. And what it did is it helped them to unshackle themselves away from you know, negative narratives, self-doubt, worry about what they think they could or couldn't do because they were acting through this powerful identity to help them win. You're coaching them to change their persona or to assume this alter ego on on the uh, the performance field is that yeah that was I mean that was one of the tools that I used because I ended up becoming once I got into working with better and better quality athletes like whether it's pros or Olympians or even been around leaders is I kind of you know we all end up finding a niche even inside of our ecosystem or our market and what I kind of became more known for is the quick hit guy like I'm I you can call me and I love having this moniker and I still state this to this day and I don't feel any expectation because I know I've got the tools to help someone. But if, if you're in a rut right now, or you've got a really big event that you want to absolutely smash it at, then I'm the guy that you call. Because I'm the guy who's A, willing to do it, and I know with the tools that we have that I can shift someone in a day. I can make that happen. Amazing. I love this topic because there are so many people that have never even gotten close to realizing their potential. It just it's crazy in society how we've minimized everybody's uh, ability to to take and look at you know the situation that they're in be it be it business or performance sports or relationships even and you go in as a coach and you have to do a couple of things one is you have to create a coachable environment I mean that that's huge so let's, how do you create a coachable environment how do you find somebody that that maybe doesn't know what coaching can do for them and and convince them of that. Well, anytime someone's reaching out to me, the great thing about sports is everyone already understands the value of coaching. And I think now in 2019, people in the executive and the entrepreneur world, they now understand the value of coaching. But what's really, really funny, so I have, I have a couple of like big online training programs and uh, inside those training programs, we have accountability groups that we create. And what's really funny, Adam, and I think you probably found this too is, the people who don't fill out the accountability form to get matched up with an accountability partner are not the ones who are performing at the high, high, top level. Like I'm talking like multi-million dollar entrepreneurs or whatever, they're the first ones to actually fill it out because they understand that the accountability there isn't to ensure that they do the things because they know they're gonna do it. They just want it there as another lever that they know helps them to achieve. Whereas the people that under index in life, that are not, they go in there and it's almost like they already have the doubt set upon themselves that they're not gonna follow through. And right away they've, lo they've lost before they've even tried. And, uh, and that's it's just an interesting thing, like a nuance between it. 
They've lost before they've even tried. That's, I mean, that's a red flag waving here. I mean, it's, you know, they, so they've given up on themselves is, is kind of what you're saying. Well, I had a conversation with a lady once and we were talking about goals. You know, everyone has heard about goals. There's nothing new under the sun, really, when it comes to goals. And, uh, and she's like, Todd, listen, I, I understand that goals are important. But this was the this was the amazing insight I got from her, and now I've repeated it on stages for a very long time. That I avoid goal. The reason I avoid setting goals is because they're simply a reminder of all of my past failed attempts at trying to do something. And she's like, I know that goals are important. No one's gonna try to convince me that they're not important. But for her, it was like a reminder of her failed self in some ways. And and I've said that to so many people, and I've had an inordinate amount of people come to me and they're like, you were right in my head. That's exactly why I happened. I said, great. Now, I get that your current, the current way that you think of yourself is someone that isn't prepared or capable of going and achieving a goal. But if you could play with me for just one second and understand that you do have the traits and abilities, because we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't be at this event if you still didn't fundamentally believe in yourself because you haven't quit. You haven't left, you haven't lost hope with yourself. But what if someone or something else helped you to activate those traits that are already inside of you and you approached your business or standing on a stage and speaking and you adopted the abilities or you stepped into the persona of someone and something else. And you know, I talk about Sasha Fierce and Beyonce in the book and maybe you, you stepped out there as that or you know, just like the Thor's hammer thing or any one of a number of thousands of other people that could inspire you to bring out the qualities that you most want out there. So, so you're, you're helping them step into that alter ego and they leave those preconceived notions in that other being that they don't show up with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a, there's a quote that I share in the book that perfectly kind of encapsulates this idea. And it's from uh, Cary Grant, the Hollywood golden era actor, debonair, charismatic, good looking guy from Bristol, England, came over to Hollywood to pursue this um, big dream of his. And at the end of his career, he said in a quote to a reporter, I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be, and I finally became that person, or he became me, but at some point in time, we met. And I think it's such a beautiful, when you really break down that entire quote, it's such a beautiful sentiment that I think a lot of us are striving towards. We want to become the person that we most want to be. And I'm a big believer in not giving people platitudes, but giving them real tools that they can sink their teeth into. That's what I know I'm known for, is people walk away and they feel like, okay, not only did that person maybe inspire, but he also gave me something to go and work with. And that's what the alter ego was. And that's why it was always one of the big tools I used because once you change someone at the identity level, because everything else is heaped on identity. When you change someone's identity, the way that they see themselves, all bets are off. You know, it's there's no telling what that person can go out and do. And I've seen it happen thousands of times where the results that someone was getting one day and what they were getting the next day or the next week are just so polar opposite. And even the way that they're physically showing up, even though their bodies haven't changed, but just the presence that they now have it changes because it's an it's an energetic sensation that other people are getting off of that person. It's been my favorite thing that I've been able to give to people. And the great thing about it is, Adam, and we've talked about this before, you know, when we were jamming earlier, is the great thing about this is I didn't invent it. 
everyone that's listening or watching or whatever has already used this because it's built into the human psyche. We did it when we were kids, when we pretended to be our favorite athlete, when we were out on our front driveway, or we pretended to be our favorite superhero, or we were playing, you know, like doctor and nurse with our you know, little brother or sister. We do these, we, we kind of, we, we wear these things as a way of finding and discovering what we can and can't do. And it's this creative imagination that we're unlocking. And then we get older and we start to act to and through what we think we're supposed to be doing because of what adults are doing. They're more serious, you know, they get angry more, or they're more anxious, and we think that's what it means to be an adult. And yet we've walked away from the very superpower that we're granted and gifted with, which is our creative imagination. Nothing else on the planet creates story and narrative in their head like we do. Nothing else adds meaning to events like we do. Nothing else can shift and change from one thing to another so rapidly. And yet humans do it, um, and this is the tool to help kind of activate that amazing ability. You know, we work with uh, over 100,000 entrepreneurs around the world in our organization here, and everybody has this desire to be a high performer. They, they want to achieve um, some of these goals, and, and you know, really, a lot of these goals put food on the table for these people or, or create opportunities for uh, lifestyle change, for helping their family, education, giving back to their community, churches, whatever it might be. But a lot of people in our space put these self-imposed limitations on who they are, what they are capable of, things like that, even though they have already done a business transaction, which is basically all they're trying to replicate here. They've done it before. We've done these things before, and you're able to kind of crack that environment and pull out a super performer through your your consulting and coaching. And, and really, you know, your book takes us through a lot of these different experiences, which, I mean, anybody who has not read The Alter Ego Effect, absolutely, I've been through, I think, like three times already, and I love it, and I'm going back for more. Because every time you get in it, there's more. There's more to, to take out and improve your performance with. But can you kind of give a few pointers to our entrepreneurs? How can they take something they've done and actually gain the confidence out of that in order to magnify their future results? Sure. Are you, are you specifically talking about how you can take the confidence that you have in one area and then use that as like a mechanism to create confidence for yourself somewhere else? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, let's take a real estate agent, for instance. You know, you've got to market yourself. You're good at doing a real estate transaction, filling out a contract, if you will. Let's say, you know, same as, say, being an attorney or another major transaction in business, but you lose confidence in between those deals, in gaining new customers. But you've got what it takes to go out and deliver that value, but you're afraid to go do that, afraid to, to step out, and you want to just kind of hide in a corner until more business shows up, which is you know typical of a salesperson or um, somebody who's in a professional career who has to go seek more business. It's merely a, a function of attitude and, and engagement in life, but people hide from that. How do, you, how do you extract attitude and engagement? How do you get somebody to wake up and turn on the lights and go, I'm a new person today, I'm gonna go do what I need to do? Sure, so one of the things that I've shared with people is fear can never hit a moving target. Fear can't hit, it just can't. Because fear sits in the shadows and shadows is a stationary thing. There's no light, there's no light that's moving, it's, there's no passing, it's not changing the shadow, it hides in the shadows. 
And so how does, how do most of us create a shadow over ourselves? It's being stationary, sitting down. That's why, you know, the great value in life. You think, you think about anyone who's done something inspirational, whether it's us watching an ESPN E60 or a 30 for 30 or a biography on someone, it's watching someone who got punched in the face or, you know, kicked into the dirt and get back up again. Like that's inspiring. And so, you know, because we live in a story and narrative world, you're living your story right now. And so the way that I look, I am a, this body is a mechanism to create story. And so I want to go out every single day and put myself into challenging positions so that when I write the second book or the third book or whatever chapter I'm in, whether I'm writing a book or I'm not, people are being inspired by that and I'm being inspired by this activity that I'm doing because that idea of wanting you talk about attitude attitude is is neutral attitude only becomes positive and negative the moment you decide which side of the seesaw you're going to go and stand on with it so the idea of getting punched in the face okay it's a neutral idea until you decide in this moment whether you're going to like it or whether you're not going to like it and now i love it and when i when i'm saying getting punched in the face whether that's physically or, or not, I'm using this in the context of going out there as an agent and getting a no, or working with someone over the course of nine months who ends up not making a decision to move from X to Y. Now you're gonna add meaning to that, like, oh my God, I invested all this time. It's like, no, 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 you invested that time into the market and now someone else might come along and in a day buy a home from you that you invested all of 90 minutes with, right? It all equalizes itself out. And so that's why you had said it in the actual intro where you'd said, and you help people enjoy the process along the way. I think that is really important because that's the dash of life, right? We all have dashes. There's the, there's the big dash, which is year born, year died. Big dash in between there. But then there's the dashes of, you know, um, this quarter, you know, so day one, October 1st to December 31st, there's a dash in there. And that final quarter of 2019 or whatever year it's in, there's a dash that's there. You know, and you've got a goal that you've got for yourself at the end of this quarter. But do you want to enjoy the process? So I want to choose my attitudes very, very carefully. Like I want to, I love getting punched in the face. Like, is that all you've got? Come on. Seriously. No, seriously. Because I know that, I know that the more I get punched it just gives me another block to stand on top of. It adds value to me so I can be more valuable to other people, right? And, and so like, I wanna do as many big deals as I possibly can. I wanna approach the luxury market or I wanna go and be the biggest person in the small, low income market or whoever it is you wanna go. I wanna, I wanna be number one and at the very minimum number two who's chomping at the ass of number one in that space. But that attitude thing that you touched on is so important, but it's this, you get to decide, do you want to get punched? Because the moment you decide that you want it, I mean, all bets are off for that person. All bets are off. Because no longer does the same meaning get attached to a no or rejection that it used to in the past. Because it's like, it's hungry hippos. Is that all you got? Like, I'm just, feed it to me. This is so motivating right now. <laughs> but you know, think, think, about it, think about it from your perspective, Adam. Like, you know, 
I mean, when you first went on stages and you look at like how you go up there, and I've seen video of you, like you've got this sort of, you've got this magnetic presence that you bring and this energy that you bring to your crowd that they're going to feed off of. But, you know, when you look at how you first approached speaking and now, or how you first got there, isn't it like, look at that growth curve that that's, that's there. And that's just one area of your life where you've built a skill in, you know. And how many other amazing heroes' journeys could you be going on? And then the value that that stacks on what it means to be Adam Contos, and and then how you're going to be showing up five years, ten years, twenty years now. The opportunities that come along with it, the size of the platform and the people that you can reach because of that, how it impacts you know the immediate family that we got. I mean, we talked earlier about I got three little kids. I include them in my business. I was lucky. I grew up on a farm and ranch. So everyone nowadays talks about this world of balance. Balance isn't gravity in my world. It doesn't exist. I don't pursue it. I pursue integration because on the farm, I got to learn at a young age that there's no difference between family life and work life because you live there. It's just the farm. So how do I replicate that in New York City with my three little kids, Molly, Sophie, and Charlie? Well, they help inside the business. So I do events as well. Every event that I do, they have to come up on stage once they turn two, and now they're all two, and two plus, and they have to come up and do a poem, they gotta sing, they gotta do a talk. So last year um, at my event, Molly, my oldest, did a talk on the importance of loving practice. Like why you wanna practice. Practice makes you better. You know, and just that, in, you know, because we, we talk about these things. But that's integrating things together. But my point of this is like, you know, we're all building skills and now the attitude that we approach this stuff is no, 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 like give me the hardest of it. Like achievers want the hardest things because it gives you bigger shoulders. Now you can carry larger loads for not only yourself, but your community, the people around you. Like it's, it's, it's really motivating when you, and when you see that in yourself that you don't need to carry this load yourself. And that's why we get into the, in this world of the alter ego that we all have inside of us, people are just, they just haven't unleashed it or untethered it from whatever perceptions they have about what it means to have an alter ego. It's not about being fake, by the way. It's not about being inauthentic. It's actually, you're using this thing that's built inside of all of us to help us reveal the actual you, like what you're truly capable of. But when Cicero named this, who was the, you know, one of the greatest Roman statesmen and philosophers ever to live, in a letter to a friend in 44 BC, he said it, in the context of the alter ego means the other eye or trusted friend. Between the six inches of our ears, wouldn't it be amazing from a psychological perspective to have a trusted friend to help us do the hard things in life? Because we all know the value of, you know, why it's so important to have amazing people around us, amazing friends, and I mean, last time we chatted, you had just come back from a weekend with like, I mean, some phenomenal leaders, like what an amazing, you know, gift that is to have in your life. And so we know how important it is to surround ourselves with those amazing people. And yet the one area, the one battleground that we struggle with the most as individuals is the six inches between our ears, the psychology, how we talk to ourselves. But having that trusted friend, that alter ego that we can have, like, again, I go into this a lot deeper in the book. It's hard to kind of talk about just on the podcast, but there's so much nuance to this and the power of it for someone. It's incredible. And you're right. The only thing holding us back is what's between our ears. Obviously, gravity is about the only other thing you can blame on not being able to do something. But it transcends all business, all life aspects, be it your relationships, be it your family, your faith, your work, your achievements at business. I just had lunch with a friend of mine. and He goes, how do I do some of these things with video? I go, you just got to go do them. 
just got to go fail at these things and get that behind you and then keep going and you're going to keep getting better. It's just, and there's so many lessons in every single chapter in the book on how, what you can extract and how to improve those things. So, I mean, just, it's truly a gift to, to everybody uh, that, that you've written this book. And, and for that, we, we really thank you and for sharing your ideas because you could, you could continue your coaching and not have written this book and shared that thought and help those specific people. But you're giving to everybody the opportunity to, to learn those things. Yeah. And I mean, this was, this was, that, that's a really good example of getting around good people. Someone who became a new friend, Tucker Max, who's one of the few people who've written three New York Times bestsellers. But uh, we met at an event and we were sitting next to each other and we were just sort of sharing, you know, like what each of us does. And he asked me, like, what do you do? And I, you know, kind of ended it with, you know, so, you know, I build alter egos and secret identities for pro and Olympic athletes and leaders. And he looked at me, he's like, what did you just say? Although he used an expletive in there. He's like, what did you just say? And I said, yeah, I said, I said it's actually a bit of an unknown thing that, you know, at, at, at elite levels or at peak performance, if you want to really want to untap your capabilities, you use another persona, another identity, because it shields you from the concerns and the worries of what, you know, perceptions of other people, but it also untethers you from your own story narrative about what you think you can and cannot do because now you're acting through this other thing and now all of the things you practiced, all of the qualities you already have come pouring out of this this other mental identity that you're bringing out there. Um, and he's like, well, listen, if you're not writing a book, you're a freaking idiot because uh, that's one of the only books I've ever wanted to read. And, uh, and I told him, I'm like, listen, I'm dyslexic and, and I am a big time dyslexic. And uh, he's like, you know that other people can help you write your book. Anyways, long story short, that's being around great people to challenge you away from your own, like even me, I had my own story about why, you know, one of the other reasons why I didn't do it is because it was really my secret sauce. It was kind of my 11 herbs and spices in my business. I was known for the alter ego thing. I didn't really want to get it out there um, in the kind of early phase of my career. But now that I'm 22 years in, I was, I'm like, you know what? This is such a big concept and I don't own it anyway. Uh, and you know, that's, that's fundamentally why I ended up writing the book. Awesome. All right, Todd. Well, we, we so much appreciate your time. Um, and I've learned a ton off of this podcast as well as the several times I've been through your book and, and that's going to continue to happen. So, um, Hey, uh, we like to ask, uh, every single one of our, our guests, you know, one, one specific question and that is how do you start with a win? Um, it's a mindset one right off the bat is the first thought in my mind when I wake up is come and get me. And, and that's me in, in my head talking back to the shadow or, you know, I talk about it in the book, right? There's the, there's the heroic self and there's a trapped self and there's an enemy that sits in this trapped shadow world that tries to like, you know, persuade you to not take the action. You shouldn't do it. You're not ready yet. You know, we're getting to you to worry about what other people are going to think of you. And that's me right off the bat, starting my day, letting it know that I own this day. Come and get me. And I get out of bed immediately because you want to move immediately. Get out of bed, plant those two feet on the ground, and go. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, come and get me tomorrow when I get up at 4:30 a.m. My wife's gonna go. <laughs> what are you saying? And own it. <laughs> Own it right here. I will here. own it. Like when you, it's a tough thing for the other side of the equation to try to beat you with. Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I know our audience got a lot out of this. So where can people find you and uh, find out more about what you do? 
Uh, so if you send a carrier pigeon to New York City now, <laughs> toddherman.me. Um, so toddherman, T-O-D-D-H-E-R-M-A-N uh, dot M-E. That's kind of my home base on the internet programs and coaching and, and stuff I've got there. But then I'm on social media and uh, Instagram and I'm relaunching a, a, another kind of show as well where people can kind of dive more into the, the peak performance and, and mental game world to help them make the changes that they want to make. Awesome, Todd. Thanks so much for being with us on Start With A Win. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to go on iTunes and subscribe, write a review, and rate the show. It helps us get the word out and reach more people. You can follow Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And remember, start with a win. Thank you.